everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. This is a DC Comics podcast. This is a sister show to Comics from the Multiverse, which me, myself, that's Pierre, and Connor, who's sitting over there, and Matt uh, work our way through new DC comic books uh, that comes out every Sunday, although day early on Patreon if you're a $5 patron. But uh, this is the sister show in which we work our way through uh, the two of us, that is, are the classic DC runs that we're, we're, we're doing. Uh, so coming up on today's show, uh, first of all, apologies for the uh, the gap from the last episode to this one. Uh, things got delayed a lot. There was some plumbing at Connor's house, and then there was... was there yeah, I had no hot water. I had, like, no hot water for, like, a month, and so plumbers in and out. And then, yeah, I had a, 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 a scheduled internet outage that I did not know about. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that pushed this back, and it's a longer show, uh, so fitting it in got kind of awkward when everything kept bumping it back, but we're here now. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Detective Comics 573, Wonder Woman number 11, Green Lantern 30, which is a part of Mark Wade's Flash run, uh, just, <laughs> just to avoid confusion there. Uh, we got Birds of Prey issue 2, GSA issue 10, Action Comics 770, finally, the, the end of Emperor Joker. <laughs> And then, of course, wrapping up with Batgirl issue 7 from the Stephanie Brown run. Uh, so that's the books that come out today. Although I should start this week's episode uh, with a bit of a explanation for something that we're doing right now uh, on Best YouTube. Best to do it now rather than at the end. Yes, yeah, so uh, on YouTube. Uh, so if you listen to the audio version of this, this doesn't affect you in any way. The podcast will keep coming as it always has done and you don't have to really worry about it. Uh, but we do actually have a new YouTube channel uh, just that's called Comics from the Multiverse uh, and we're splitting up all the reviews uh, from the shows and putting them out so that they can be in playlists and they can, you know, you can just find the, the review of that one book that you care about and watch it and that's it. Uh, the main show is still going up in full on the regular channel and this, uh, this one is now for an episode or two. I think the next episode of this will be the last one that goes up on full on Malefuzz TV's YouTube channel. Uh, right now, if you go and check out Comics the Multiverse's YouTube channel at the time of recording, I think I'm on like the middle of episode four of putting out all the individual reviews. I'm sort of doing it kind of quickly, so they're kind of it's kind of catching up with where we are in the the full episodes. Uh, the idea being, in about two episodes' time, there'll be no full episode on YouTube. It'll just switch completely to Comics the Multiverse on YouTube, and it'll be like individual videos for each review. Uh, so. You can still get the full version in audio, of course, but on YouTube, that's how it's going to be presented uh, on the Comments from the Multiverse YouTube channel. So if you're if you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, uh, where you're going to get the video version is going to change a little bit uh, soon. So this is probably going to be the second last one in full on Mailfuzz TV. Uh, the next one will be the last one, and then after that, it should more or less sync up with the where where the individual ones are, and we'll will be in sync. You know, you get the full episode in the audio, and then as that happens, the singles will come out. Uh, over over the seven days because there's seven books uh, conveniently so it's nicely one per day uh, so that is what we're doing on youtube the audio podcast is unchanged and will not be altered in any way shape or form uh, so no concerns about that if that's where you get the show uh, youtube is just a lot more friendly to a shorter content but also is very benefited by playlists and been able to playlist like all of post-crisis batman and a playlist so you can just listen to those and so on is very handy so uh go and have a look at comics from the multiverse uh the youtube channel not the show itself but I mean, look at the show as well if you haven't i mean but i assume if you're listening to this you probably already know about that but go and look at comics from the multiverse on youtube and uh subscribe and all the rest of it but uh, so, without further ado, we will get into this week's books. We'll start off uh, with our post-crisis Batman, 
which is Detective Comics 573 this this time. Uh, Make W Bar writing with Alan Davis on the art. And this is kind of a, a wacky, goofy, mad hatter story. Very standalone, does what it does, comes in. Very fine. <laughs> yeah, Mad Hatter is a little bit different from what we think of him now. He's definitely not as short as he's typically, portray- typically portrayed now. He's he's more like a, I don't know, like a, a moustache mustache twirling villain from the 30s in, in this. He does have quite the moustache. Yeah, as opposed to what we think of his look now. Pretty much what it's been since the animated series, which isn't that so, long after which this. Which is, is basically a leprechaun. I guess, yes. <laughs> Very clearly inspired by a leprechaun. I suppose. So anyway, he's released from uh, Arkham. He's released from Arkham. And as he's leaving, Batman and Robin are in the car, just basically to warn him. And they kind of treat Mad Hatter like he's, he's, like he's got this obsession with hats, which I guess is true. But <laughs> in this specifically, it's, it's more like it's more like he's like, oh, you're wearing a hat. Can I, uh, can I see that hat? I want to touch your hat. Can I see your it's hat? It's a desire for hats more than an obsession with hats. Yeah, I mean he's obsessed he, to the point where he makes a hat out of some newspaper just to just to give him a hat because he he can't not have a hat. He needs a hat. Uh, but he, he sends in a, an empty box to Commissioner Gordon for Batman, and Batman comes and sees it. There's a message saying, "I have gone hatless, Batman, but not in the way you want." Uh, the Mad Hatter, and essentially the plot of the issue. I, I don't think we have to go through this beat for beat necessarily is that he does some crimes and they're all kind of hat related although i'll be honest the first one the expression that batman connects it with i have literally never heard in my what life what was the expression again uh, let me find the, the page because because they're at like a, a club and he steals all the money of all these rich people and it's the back at the the, the mansion and it's actually they're, they're struggling to figure out what's going on jason's looking up in the newspapers but bruce is like stop cutting on my newspaper Let's have some chocolate cake. And actually, even just how he gets to the phrase is kind of weird because Alfred just says, uh, of course the laundry takes me all day to get through, but... And then Bruce is like, that's it, through. Alfred, you're a genius. And I'm like, usually when you have that moment in a story where someone says something and it like you know it sparks something in the brain of the other character, I feel like the word through isn't enough. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That's it's very, very tangential. Yeah, because it's such a, a common connecting word. But the club that the uh, that was robbed by Mad Hatter was called the Liars Club, and Batman says that uh, a liar, amongst other things, is said to be someone who is talking through his hat. Have you ever heard that? I cannot say I have. Uh, old timey phrase is uh, uh, old timey, and maybe an American specific phrase. Maybe, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily... I mean, I don't watch enough movies that... I, I mean... No, it's true. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily factor into it too much, but I feel like it's just something I've never heard. But I think more more even more importantly that, though, the, the fact that he gets that from Alfred just saying the word through just kind of bothers yeah. me. It's like... No, I get that. Honestly, I think we've overlooked the, the biggest point of this issue so far, though. Uh-huh. And that is the, the recurring theme of Batman telling Robin to, to soak something good. <laughs> okay, yeah, the last issue detective did have him hosing them down. He's like, oh, hose me down, get me all wet, chum. Yeah, and this time they're, they're pouring buckets of water on the fire, and, and he's like, that's it, Robin, soak them thoroughly. And I'm like, this is, this is becoming a recurring theme. That did happen, yes. 
And then there's some goofy comic shenanigans. They end up at uh, uh, it's, it's a, an arena because there's like a, a hockey game or something like that on. It's, it's, it's going to be a hat trick, of course, right? Which, uh, we've heard of hat tricks, yes. They, and, they have them in they they have them in football. Uh, I guess why why'd you specify that? More just they they have them in sports that that, that we are familiar with. Why do you assume that I am any more familiar with football than I am with hockey? Cultural osmosis. I'm offended that you think I know anything about football. That, that, yeah, uh, not, not anything, but I, I would assume your familiarization with the word hat-trick comes from cultural osmosis via football. I don't know. I watched the Mighty Ducks movies a lot more growing up than I ever <laughs> saw any football. I believe that. I, I I believe you in that. I definitely did. So I'm not sure if I'm ready. To, I'm ready to agree with that. But they end up in the the museum area, this arena, and it's kind of this excuse uh, for some wacky visuals because it's like a giant pool table. And when you actually look at the scale of this, like the scale of the four bad guys that are working for Mad Hatter on the pool table, this thing is literally the size of like a, a football field. Yeah, I mean, if we assume Batman's around six foot ish. Yes. Uh, with him on that the the pull cue that he uses to like pole vault himself up, <laughs> that that pull cue's got to be at least twelve foot long, yeah. at least. Which begs the question: Why does the giant prop pull table have giant prop? Pool, like, do they expect giants to come in and have a game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, I'll buy. I love, it. I love Batman. Batman's actual thought process is here: is well, if they built a giant pull table. They made giant pull cues. Like, well, did they? Well, here's the thing. I will buy the... Okay, to complete this, the, the, the whole like visual, there's like a rack of pull, giant pull cues in the wall. But I would expect them not to be removable. I'd expect them just to be like a set display that's like nailed to the wall that you can't take. <laughs> but the fact that they actually disconnect is if... No, you can actually use these to play. If you happen to be, you know, 25 foot tall, then <laughs> like you, you'll be able to do it. Yeah, that's a fair point. So... Yeah, so that was just kind of nonsense comic book stuff, which isn't necessarily a complaint, more than just shenanigans. And I think it, it's we're at that point in detectives now where this feels really jarring. When the last issue we read was was year one. Yes. So Bruce lays a trap. He throws his hat in the political ring and again. You know, hat being a theme here to draw out the Mad Hatter. Gordon even comes to the whole thing because Batman asked him to, but he doesn't really like Bruce Wayne very much. There is a there's a weird beat here actually where Gordon says something about Bruce being a dick, <laughs> and his father would be uh, you know if your father was was here and Bruce gets kind of angry and goes, but he can't commissioner can he? And he's like I'm sorry Bruce I, and I'm like that was a really weird thing to throw in the middle of this really goofy issue like I don't know it's like a really serious and, little beat. <laughs> yeah, and Bruce kind of brushes it off immediately after because Gordon's, Gordon's like I'm sorry Bruce and he's like nonsense commissioner like ah forget about it. It's almost like he goes into Batman mode for just like one panel, because he it's, it's like someone mentioned his dead parents. He's like dead parents. I must scowl. <laughs> this is this is the Martha moment decades before. <laughs> I'm Batman. I mean, uh, sorry, Commissioner. You have a drink. Uh, <laughs> like, so of course, Matt Hatter does show up with all of his hats. Uh, it all leads to a ridiculous confrontation on the roof. Uh, where Mad Hatter has a rocket-propelled hat, a big top hat thing uh, that he has rockets at the bottom that will actually fly him into space. But Batman hacks the, the radio frequency and it comes tumbling down. Uh, but the cliffhanger here, because there is a cliffhanger, 
is that Mad Hatter tries to f- shoot Batman. He's got a gun in his hat, because of course he does. Uh, and Batman dodges, takes down Mad Hatter, but when he turns around, the final panel is that Jason is lying there, potentially dead. There's a lot of almost killing Jason in these stories. They, they really wanted to, didn't they? This is the second time I've had Jason either be dead or almost be dead or threatened to be dead. In like, what, five or six issues? Yeah. I think it was like two issues ago. You know, det- I mean, no, I just mean in the total that we've been yeah. doing of detective comics, it's what, six issues maybe? But I think because we're alternating with Batman, it feels longer, but it's actually, I think it was like just two issues ago we had the the the, the death, like dream, like sequence. I think it was with the Scarecrow stuff. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't that long ago in terms of issues. That, that may have been the one right before the Sherlock Holmes special one, but yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I chuckled. It was a long time coming when it finally happened, wasn't it? Yeah, I chuckled Welsh reading. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Mm. Yeah, I did too. I really like the cover for the next issue, by the way. Oh yeah, cover looks good. I carry in Robin's body. Uh, not mm. we're not quite at that story yet. The real story, but. No, but it's it's the prototype for that cover, essentially. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, it's just a fine read. There's just some goofy elements. It's, it's comical. It's it's the sort of thing that works better in a comic. Because I've never been a fan of the 60s show. I've never liked it whenever I've seen any of it. I feel like there's a certain campness that you can get away with in comics that works for me better because it's on the page that versus live action where... You know, the, the sillier elements. And it's not as silly as a 60s show, don't get me wrong. Uh, oops, car disappeared for a second there. <laughs> um, How dare you? Well, I mean, that does benefits to it. Screw you. A little bit of my alien wallpaper coming through is not a, not a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to like rate these these goofier kind of... I mean, it's obviously not a Silver Age issue because it's, you know, from 1986, 87, but it definitely feels like it's still sort of coming from that silver bronze it, age it, era it wasn't a clean transition was it no. to what we think of as as after the silver age there is still very much a a silver age feeling lingering in some books yeah so that is uh that is that so i guess we'll rate the the issue what are you giving it i'm gonna give it a six it's it's all right you know it's it's perfectly readable um i, I laughed a few times um I think there's been better issues of Detective already, though. Oh, of course, I agree. Uh, no, I agree with the six. I, I have nothing really to add to this point. All right, so Wonder Woman issue 11, Brian Azzarello writing with Cliff Chang on the art. Uh, continuing here. Uh, I, so my first complaint here, and I know I've been kind of uh, the, the sour one on this run, but... You have to be a little bothered that yet again we've got an issue that ends with Zola being kidnapped again. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's just over and over. We keep we keep, we keep doing the the same things here. Uh, the, the main gist of this issue though is that Apollo and Artemis team up to get uh, Zola and bring her to to Hera. Uh, basically. Hera's made a deal with Apollo, and this is what we find out by the end of the issue, is that he will get the throne uh, to, well, I guess heaven? <laughs> yeah, he'll get Zeus's yeah. throne, so Zeus's he'll be throne, the, yeah. the, the leader of Olympus. Yes. Uh, so, that's kind of his thing. So, Zola's actually at the uh, the doctor, she's getting a, an ultrasound for the baby, and of course they show up on their, on their bike, looking very Lobo-esque, might I add, on, on this thing. 
And essentially, we get a big fight sequence uh, where Lennox tries to get involved. I mean, he tries to punch Artemis, like his, like you know, his rock skin kind of like just cracks because it's oh, he just tried to punch a god. Didn't go very well. It's a pretty great visual. Uh, I mean, it's where the issue picks up because once it gets to the action, the the, the art can just do a really good job of giving me some action. And Chang has excellent pacing in his action. So that's very much the highlight. I mean, Zola has a little bit of agency, even though it's ultimately, you know, fruitless because she tries to save Wonder Woman by ramming a truck, which, by the way, pregnant women don't, shouldn't ram trucks into unmovable objects. Uh, it's a bad idea. In her defense, she didn't know he was unmovable. <laughs> It's also true that the baby is the child of Zeus and therefore can maybe take the hit, but still... Still not advisable. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, but of course, they just grab her and run. And... I do love that she try even when she gets out of the truck, okay, that didn't work. She grabs a shotgun and tries to shoot him with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an alright character beat. Uh, but Strife is shocked to learn the deal that they've made and Apollo's about to take the throne when Wonder Woman uh, shows up and is like, yeah, I'll stop you. And that's kind of the, the cliffhanger of the issue. Uh, honestly, fight. I, I mean, because I'm not super into the characterizations in the, in this run, in this this version of Wonder Woman, and the mythology of all the gods and stuff just isn't clicking for me here the way that it, it can do. This it. is an extremely heavy mythology issue in terms of okay, yeah. we've we've got I mean four or five gods showing up in this issue because we've got well Artemis and Apollo, we've got Demeter, uh, we've got Hera. Uh, Hermes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so there's, there's a lot. Yeah, because there's those opening couple of scenes where uh, what was what's the poison ivy looking one? <laughs> Demeter. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the the goddess of the the harvest. Yeah. So so we have those scenes there. I, I think for me, just in general with this book, I, I seem to enjoy issues more when it tends to just be a really simple kind of focus on the action. So the middle of this issue, which is you know probably the half of it, maybe even slightly more than half, is it's perfectly enjoyable because it's simple it's it's you know well drawn art well paced art for the for the action beats the, the rest of it though i'm kind of like yeah okay whatever <laughs> yeah I, I get it it's especially i think this is an issue that sings if you're into the mythology because it's all like okay you've got these various things kind of starting to click together with with the connections that it's kind of been slowly kind of setting up between the the gods over the course of the uh the, the 10 or so issues before this yeah i mean the one credit i'll give it out of my first complaint of zola being kidnapped again which did kind of feel like oh we're doing this again because we just sort of went through this right i i, I feel like the one thing that at least acknowledges in the pacing of the writing is that wonder woman showing up at the end of the issue like immediately essentially does make it feel at least like okay we're not going to at least have an issue mounting a rescue where they'll try to plan again how to get her back at the very least we're not going through, through all those beats again yeah zola being kidnapped isn't actually the cliffhanger that's that's the beat that that leads into you know, wonder woman facing off against the gods in in their home is the cliffhanger really um yeah. so because it, it moves through that zola beat so fast i don't think it bothers me too much i think if it had ended on zola's gone you know that if, if that was the final page uh this would be a a lot more frustrating because that would leave it as to like you say where we were I don't know, three or four issues ago whatever whatever that was again and it would be like okay so we just got it back got through everything and now we're going through it all again but this the way this frames at the end it's less of a rescue mission and more of a just 
uh, Wonder Woman actively taking a stand against the gods here. Um, so that's, that's more interesting for me. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's fair. Uh, as far, I mean, obviously the art's good. As far as the... Uh, you know, the rating it goes, like, uh, yeah, this is kind of... We're still sort of sitting in my sort of sixish level, I guess. Yeah. For me, this is coming up on... It's an eight. Yeah, I'll give it the point five. Eight point five. I think the the uh, some of the pacing in the art really sings and kind of pushes it up that extra point or half a point as it is. All right. So this issue of Flash's Mark Wade or Flash's Mark Wade, Mark Wade's the Flash, uh, is actually not an issue of the Flash bizarrely it is an issue of green lantern it's green lantern issue 30 which is written by gerard jones with mark wade it's a crossover that spans two issues of both so it's a four-parter uh unfortunately gerard jones if if you don't know why it's unfortunate we have to read an issue by him just look up his wikipedia page and and discover you'll, you'll very quickly realize yeah. there's, a, there's a reason dc tries not to reprint anything of his if they can help it anymore obviously well, this is kind of essential for this book. yeah they'd actually started reprinting his run on green lantern they got volume one of it out in the same way that they've done like all these other volumes of these other writers runs and then the news broke of what he'd done and all of a sudden those just dried up and there was no more and i can't really blame them but yeah to, to the point where i actually had to go and get um mark wade's flash volume two on comiXology because they do not put those issues of Green Lantern up on DC Universe. Yeah, that is interesting. They're not even on there. Because the, uh, the, the the files are obviously available, like digital, yeah. they've got them here. They're just actively choosing not to promote them, even even these crossover issues. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, they've basically Chris Benoit them. Uh, that's a reference you won't get, but the people know. The people I'll know. take your word for it. Uh, so yeah, so this is the start of a, a story called Guerrilla Warfare. So obviously we're getting some broad shenanigans yep and here and uh, it's, it's not a bad issue actually and setting up kind of this this crossover obviously it's not mark wade is the lead writer on this issue and i, I don't because it's grod i assume wade's probably the one who plotted the story more so probably he's labeled and he's credited officially in the credits as a plot assist yes but I don't know if that's like, is it going to be the exact same, just swapped for the issue of the Flash we get next time, where it's the same yeah. thing, but just with the writer swapped? Because obviously one's their book and one's the others. Uh, so basically, Flash and Green Lantern are both at uh, this castle uh, setting up the, the headquarters of Justice League of Europe. Uh, everyone remembers Justice League of Europe, right? The JLE. Hey, <laughs> some great stuff in, the, in that era. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that came, what, after the. The uh, the international stuff. It's kind of part of that whole Is it part era. Of it? Okay. Yeah, it's it's it it. I think it swaps into Europe about I don't know thirty odds or so issues in. Yeah. Okay. So they're setting up this headquarters, and Flash gets called away. Green Lantern saves some delivery or some moving people. <laughs> the movers. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're the carrying boxes. They're the box Yeah, I was just carrying. kind of waiting for you to stumble around, figure out your, the, 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 the phrase you'd like to use. But we cut to uh, Guerrilla City, and we see that there's kind of this growing tensions, but there's clearly some supporters of Grodd, and Grodd's been getting messages. He's, he's been playing chess via, via letters with someone, 
And it turns out who this person that he's been playing chess with is Hector Hammond, <laughs> because of course that can't be a, a, a you know a bad uh, pairing. Yes, hence the Green Lantern crossover. Of course, yes, uh, that, that ties it in with the Green Lantern side of things. Uh, but of course, it's like okay, it's time to actually make his outbreak. So we have him making his escape, and he's got his followers, and they're they're waging war. And Gorilla City, like, okay, we need the Flash. Someone like you know contact the Flash. He left us that thing to contact him on. And in the Flash Museum, this old radio sounds like, hey, Flash, please help, it's Gorilla City, yada, yada, yada. And of course, they don't even know Barry's gone. Like, you know, Gorilla City's expecting Barry Allen, the Flash, to, to show up. And we have this thing here where Wally, like, hears the phone ringing as he's like, because, you know, the people at the museum phone Wally. And he's, he's running out of the house and he hears the phone and he's like, ah, if it's important, they'll call back. <laughs> he just kind of goes. Yeah, it's not enough time to answer the phone. Wonder if it's important. Not oh, enough well. time? You're the Flash. Yeah. He goes, ah, the machine will pick it up. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this. The, the, the funny thing about Wage Run on Flash so far is that Wally is a little bit of a dick at times. Not like a super in a super way, but just there's little things here or there. Uh, it's uh, very much in keeping with how his character was at the time. You know, We, we mentioned JLE there. I've read a, a large portion of that uh, period of, of Justice League. And, and Wally's in and out of those books. And... Yeah, he's kind of a dick throughout a lot of that. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see how how that develops over time. But yeah, so they they get to the the headquarters and they, they get to contact Green Lantern and Green Lantern's like, "Hey, Barry told me about these things, and well, if they can't get Wally, I'm probably the next best one to go and figure this out." And we would see that uh, Grodd's whole plan is to get the third part of the the ancient meteorite that that. that led to the development of, of Gorilla City but also Hector Hammond found the other part that made him what he is so they want the third part to ascend and take over the planet because uh, that's what people do uh, Green Lantern goes to the Flash Museum to find out what's going on and he's then taken to a secret <laughs> I, I love this whole bit uh, of course you do he's taken to Washington where they, they get to a secret department with enhanced animals, which includes, of course, uh, uh, you know, Bobo, uh, Detective yeah, Chimp. Yeah, Detective Chimp. He's he's the the chief investigator. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in charge of the department. Yeah, he's got an office in the back. He's uh, the uh, the, uh, the bureau of amplified animals. There you go. And so, so Green Lantern ends up taking this this talking dog, uh, Rex the Wonder Dog, uh, with with his human because the human he has to like sort of talk through the human. He can't just talk directly. And so he he takes him in a you know a green little i don't even know what he makes like a little chair for them okay so it's what it looks like it looks like uh like the little pod you would sit in at like an arcade ride or something like that not like a dodge not quite a dodge i'd say but like so, something like that yeah i can see it it looks like one of those inflatable chairs that you can kind of get for outside oh yeah i could see that too maybe one for the maybe, pool maybe actually that's the green though yeah, yeah. That, maybe that's the green that's that's giving me that impression because I feel like one that you would just sit in the ground with wouldn't have the front bit for the dog to have his paws up on. Whereas, whereas one for a pool, I could see that having the, yeah, the yeah, raised. Yeah, definitely but, buy it. Uh, I didn't expect to be discussing this uh, detail so much, but uh, they go to Gorilla City, and then the cliffhanger is, is that Green Lantern's going through the jungle looking for this, this secret city that he's never been to. Uh, there's like a whoosh past them, and the final cliffhanger is that Wally's already there, and they both say at the same time, what are you doing here? So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Flash issue that we read next time is going to explain Wally's side of the story and how he gets here. Yeah, I think um, from context, 
because uh, the, there's the the kind of you know the note at the end that's like next time mm. yada 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 it actually says find out in flash 69 on sale now um uh, so i think that's uh in answer to that question of what are you doing here so in the next issue they came out on the same day mm-hmm. the idea being you can really actually read either of these first and it'll function um and then the the, the next two issues will be the actual follow-up interesting though they chose this one to go first in the trade though and i wonder if that's because this one maybe explains more of the the main story more than maybe the flash issue does it could be it could also be a case of that maybe maybe the next issue of green lantern is very clearly part three if if these are one and two but it doesn't really matter but that is definitively the next part maybe it's just so you don't have two green lantern issues back to back you can just break them up easier that way yeah um, so as far as the quality issue, it's all right. It's not bad. I'm I'm looking forward to reading more of it. I I think it it doesn't feel up to the standards as like the best Mark Wade issues yet. You know, I'm thinking the Abracadabra stuff. Uh, I'm thinking the Year One stuff. Obviously, it doesn't feel mm. like it doesn't quite have that voice. I guess it's, it's definitely someone else's voice writing this. Oh, definitely. Um, I think I really like the the plot and the ideas that's going on here. Like the introducing, you know, Grodd and and hector is, is kind of fun um i love the uh the bureau of uh amplified animals and and bobo kind of running that um, yeah although it is worth mentioning the covers like the next one does say part two of four like the covers clearly indicate but... yeah they did but i guess it, they just kind of made it friendly yeah uh, yeah uh but i i think maybe it works both ways but clearly the green Lantern issue was at least even at the time printed to be this is intentionally the first one uh yeah i mean i'm, I'm just going to tell you now, i took a little i'm just taking a little sneak peek ahead to the very first page of the the flash issue and it's uh wally helping with the the moving again mm. so it is very much just rewinding back and following his side of it yeah but you put a number on it that's it that's yeah. the order that's yeah just how no, it that's is. true just how it is uh but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad rebellion. I means the art is obviously not the same artist. It's not uh, uh, the rock who we've had yet on on most of the issues from from Wade. Uh, d- definitely, I'd say a step down. It didn't have because again, that has such a. And maybe it's just because you know we've been getting issues and issues of that. But I, I think the pacing and like the, the action and the movement from La Rock is so good. It may, maybe the next issue is him. I but... think it's a frustrating comparison in the sense that. I think he the art in this issue definitely suffers anytime we're doing flash things because of it it hasn't got that that flow to it for the flash but i think when it's doing green lantern things it's really good and if this is your regular green lantern artist that's probably a good thing overall yeah no that makes sense um yeah i mean uh, what are you giving it then what are you written it? Uh, i'm still gonna give it a solid seven i think just about um a couple of nice lines of dialogue um whenever wally wasn't there usually um and some really nice ideas and i'm kind of interested in the story yeah i'm intrigued to see where they go with this uh it's an interesting idea having these two villains team up even though we've not seen hammond yet but i'm assuming we're going to see him in the flash issue which is, is a fun idea in of itself that they, they sort of swapped you know you get the, the yeah. rod introduction in this issue you get the hammond introduction in the flash issue it, that's, that's it makes nice it idea. feel like a, a genuine crossover rather than just concurrent stories yeah no for sure it, it definitely feels like yeah the, the, once we've had the second issue of the way we're going to be them teaming up because they're they've, they're in the same plot like they're, they're, at that point they're that's what they are so 
yeah, no, I I agree with the seven. I, I think it's it's solid. Uh, sort of fun comic book fare. Uh, some some character beats, you know, and uh, I, I like the ideas of like the the gorillas expecting Barry Allen still to be there. They don't even know that Barry Allen's gone. They're expecting the original Flash. Well, not the original, but you know what I mean. Their uh, Flash. Their Flash. So that's uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Birds of Prey issue two. Chuck Dixon writing. Greg Land on the art. Obviously, not really the second issue in this run. This is actually more like the ninth issue in this run, but that's okay. Uh, so, this is the follow-up to the the, the, the cliffhanger where Jason Bard, ex-fiancé of Barbara Gordon, Dana try to process that information. I, I actually think this issue did a really good job. Or, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, there was that scene in the last issue, in issue one, that you know, teased there, was it Hellhound or whatever his name is? <laughs> the, the, the one looks like a cat, but it's actually something hound. Uh, yeah. He, uh, we see him like, chasing these people down, and it was like really out of context, and it, like there was nothing to really say what it was or what was going on. I think by the end of this issue, when you realise, okay, what this was, why he was chasing them, where he was chasing them, I was like, oh, that actually all completely makes sense, <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah, it feels like a reasonable follow up on that and contextualize it nicely yeah it was a good tease in hindsight i think i think it played kind of almost weird on its own which i guess maybe you could argue that's not a good tease because it didn't it felt kind of weird but honestly in hindsight it's like yeah well it actually feels fine it feels totally normal um, yeah i think it is uh it's a balancing act that i would say it probably doesn't get quite right because you want to have it feel satisfying in this issue when it comes together but you also don't want it to feel so jarringly out of place in the previous issue that you're just questioning what's happening. So I don't think it's quite nailing it, but that's I mean, it. at least it's sticking the landing. That said, though, I do think that the reveal in this would not work as well if there wasn't something like that in the first issue to kind of make us go, oh, that's what that was. Because like, on its own, mm. this would be such an extremely weird idea, this idea that uh, you know Jimmy Pajamas is kidnapping rich people and forcing them to work as slaves and all, all the like the the rich stuff all the watches and stuff that he had in the safe are all just like stuff that they own to, to prove to their family members that he's got them same with the body parts you know the old send a finger in the mail tactic as it were yep so Dinah jumps in she, she's in the fight because the guard snuck up behind her uh Bard is still playing his character but there's actually a genuine thing here where, where Bab's on the other end and the computer thinks that hey he's a scumbag now this is terrible i need to make dana a cover story but no one's really buying it she's tied up she's got her in an interrogation room and jason comes in he's like i want to talk to you first and he's being all awful is it like, oh i'm going to make her talk and yada 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 and bob's like, just smashing up a keyboard yeah you can literally it's basically that that uh that old meme video of the german kid getting angry that he lost whatever game he was playing and smashing the keyboard you yeah. remember that now <laughs> i do yeah yeah uh, it's basically at that moment she's like damn you Jason Bard but she's, then, she's literally got tears at, you know, at, at this moment yeah and uh, but then, then he leans in uh, and next to Dana's ear and says I'm going to help you out of here uh, I'll undo your hands uh, and then I'm going to take out this guard so it's like no no it's uh, it's, it's, it's her, her ankles they or, or does he feel her hands and she does her own ankles yeah because he frees her hands and he, he yeah, says yeah. you do your ankles the guard is mine yeah yeah I can just picture her kicking a lot and I think that's why for some reason in my head it was she freed her, he freed her ankles first. Uh, no. So no, no. She, she, he doesn't. You're right. I just, you know, I think it's just her kicking a lot. Is is in my head. So 
Yeah, so so there's a fun bit of banter here where Babs is kind of in her ear saying, you know, don't tell him too much, don't tell him that you know me, keep this stuff secret. And but she kind of like lets it she's like she calls him but Jason Bard and he's like, How do you know my name? And so like, that's my little secret and she's like, Keep it that way, Dinah. Keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this fun shenanigans part of the issue doesn't last too long though because they're, they're trying to get away but Jimmy Pajamas has just got too many men Jackie, Jackie Pajamas sorry Jackie Pajamas I do apologise how could I ever forget I mean the pajamas is the important part I'll yeah. grant you uh, but he, he actually fires a gun right in front of uh, Bard's face you know the old like sort of you know deafen him with a gunshot kind of tactic or... I actually really like that panel um, with the way the, the light's flaring from the gun um it feels loud. Yeah. As we actually find out later, it's actually more that he's blinding him with a gunshot because it's right in front of his face as opposed to the side of his head. Uh, but in the moment, I just kind of took it as the sound. But later, but it does make sense looking at it now, knowing how it ends. It's like, yeah, that's right in his eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but so, so Babs wakes up. But before we get to that, though, there's a moment where we go, or sorry, Dino wakes up. But before we get to that, Babs is sitting on her own. And I, I love this detail here where she's sitting feeling all sort of helpless because she can't help Dana, and then the camera you can feel the camera pull back the, the actual sequence of the panels here is really good where it pulls back and someone's watching her on a security camera and then it pulls back even more and there's like six screens you know it's a proper setup watching her i mean it's all just the same image uh, <laughs> yeah that, that, that feels weird that that almost feels a little bit lazy right no, see, this is the thing. I'll think it... I mean, it's weird when you think about the logic of it. It's not weird in the context of the time period. Movies did this in security cameras all the time at this point. This is actually... Really? This is playing into the tropes. Yeah, hell, even uh, Batman 89, there's a scene where you see, like, Joker's face on a bunch of screens at the same time, which wasn't security cameras. That was, like, all the different feeds of the, the TV studio. But... Uh, this was a very common visual at the time for like action movies whenever there were security cameras involved for some reason and i don't know why but i've seen this done a lot before so i'm going to give it the benefit of doubt and say this was more about leaning into the tropes of the time period than it was okay. about being lazy okay um but and of course just after we see this visual the uh the, the pen pal you know the whoever she's talking to online uh just message yes. her and uh basically kind of gets her talking about Dana without saying names or anything just she's talking about her partner and how is there's a trust thing and how you're, you're both equally important blah 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 uh, and then leaves yeah. her alone but it's very notable when he starts talking to her it's like right as she's at her lowest right as she's feeling helpless uh, it, given that this is only a three issue arc Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's safe to assume this is going to be the second arc right oh sure I mean at the very least if not the second arc then further down the line than that right um yeah. but i think it's i think it's teasing it so heavily in each issue like you know this is a good oh like, a, I, three I, or four pages dedicated to it i feel like it's probably sooner rather than later i could totally see the the, the just the final of the next issue like the last couple of pages being the reveal of whoever this is like that you know we'll finish the story and then there'll be like a little epilogue of yeah. who's, who's talking to babs on the computer setting up uh issue four i mean that's totally a possibility but, uh, and we see that uh, Dinah can't hear her. Her earpiece is uh, with the rest of the rich people's junk. But Dinah wakes up and she's in like, you know, drab clothes. There's all these other people there. All these rich sort of like, you know, essentially princesses for lack of a better word. Like all, all these like, you know, 20 something daughters of rich people. And we find out, you know, some of them have lost fingers. Some of them have lost this and they're just forced to work. So in Pajama's whole thing is that, hey, like, kidnappers make money once and maybe then either 
give the person back or kill them. No, no, no. I'll, I'll keep the money coming in to keep them alive. <laughs> I'll make it an ongoing thing, and then I'll use them as workers as well. It's you know he's, he's yeah. really thought this it, through. It, he's a he's a savvy businessman, and he is intentionally targeting rich people to, yeah. to kidnap because well, they got rich families. They can they can keep paying for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So it's it's pro- proper dire. I, I do enjoy the uh, dynamics a uh, uh, bridge in the river choir reference because the whole like you know prisoner camp aspect this is one of the first things I thought of to be honest. Yeah, um, especially with, with what they're wearing as well. Yeah. So uh, and it's like oh you're going out to work. It's time to work. So and we see and this is where we see uh, Hellhound uh, here. So we get the full sort of like wraparound context of oh the people who were trying to run away last issue were people who were in this camp, and yeah. that's that's you know that's why they were being chased. So. At the end of the issue, though, is that she finds Jason, and the cliffhanger is, is that Jason's got a blindfold on. Uh, and blindfold's maybe not quite the right term, but because it's basically there because his eyes are, are too sensitive. They're, they're, you know, he says he's blind. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's, it's temporary because of the flash of light in his eyes and that he's going to be fine. <laughs> I agree. I have to say, with his hair like that and the, the blindfold, he looks very Daredevil-esque. <laughs> it does look very Daredevil, actually. Uh, it's, it's one of the, the worst panels in the, the issue, unfortunately. I think his face looks a little bit sort of rigid and, like, it feels a little bit too flat. Yeah. I think uh, it's the way the, the turn doesn't look yeah. like it's got any depth to it. Yeah, uh, we spoke a lot in the last issue about Greg Land being the artist and how sometimes it feels like Greg Land er- kind of earned the reputation he has now and sometimes it's just sort of more typical 90s looking comics. I think it's really frustrating because he clearly has solid sequential storytelling pacing down. Like, without a doubt. The pacing's there, yeah. No, you're right. The the panel-to-panel pacing's solid, if it's not great. It's just when you look into the individual panels, that's where it did loses some of that shine there was a moment earlier on actually when he first like breaks out dana from the the, the you know the interrogation room there's a moment where he sort of glances over at her when she, i think it's when she says his name that it's one of those things where i looked at the face and went that looks kind of awkward and maybe traced maybe not but either way there's something kind of off about it i feel that every two or three pages yeah. and it's it's frustrating because it, it does hold back some really strong sequential pacing Although, the, the one big Greg Land thing I tried at one point was, like, when he did, like, Matt Fraction's Iron Man, I think it was. Or maybe, no, I think it was the series after Fraction's Iron Man, but it was an Iron Man, but I only read issue one. But it, I top... think it was Gillen's Iron Man, because it's one of the few Gillen things I, I wasn't able to enjoy. Oh, there you go. Yeah, maybe Gillen's. Uh, but on top of the awkward facing and stuff, the colouring in that book had this kind of ultra-digital glossy look to it, which just made everything even worse. Yeah, I'm willing to, to say that probably wasn't Land's choice. Probably um, not, but it just it, it accented everything about it that made it bad. That was that was actually a really frustrating book because you'd think, all right, do Iron Man, just stick him on something that just draws suits would be ideal almost for, for Land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, didn't work for whatever reason. <laughs> it, it was it was particularly rough. No, it did not. It did not work. But yeah, no, I mean, the issue, the issue's fairly solid, though. I I, I enjoyed it the is. stuff with Dana and Bard uh, playing into the... And I, I actually genuinely enjoyed the... Even though I, I suspected that he was going to turn out to be a good guy. Because I think whenever he's been talked about why he's actually there, he's he's actually investigating. He's trying to look for one of the people who's been kidnapped. He's been hired by one of the families to, to rescue them. So... Yeah. Uh, you know, like I did enjoy the build up to him kind of revealing, no, I'm on your side. I'm not. I'm not a bad guy. It says a lot. I probably enjoyed Bard more on this one issue than I have in any of the recent Batgirl issues. No, I, I concur. Well, I, I think it's more interesting on being something from her past that we. I mean, maybe there is issues actually exploring it 
uh, I wouldn't surprise me if there is, but I've not read them. But I, I think the actual building of the romance and the recent Batgirl issues is just really sort of forced and contrived. Whereas this here is kind of, it all just makes for fun because Dane is just having a blast, kind of you know prodding him with information and asking mm. Babs about it and all, all those elements. But then you actually get to what's going on and it's actually quite dark and sinister and it, it kind of feeds into the, the sort of like crimes and like bad guys that they're tackling in this book so far and what they have been kind of consistently doing since the start. It's been a lot of very kind of political and like... Uh, both like drugs and people smuggling and it's, it's all these kind of like heightened versions of like more real world kind of like very dark crimes actually they're, they're very kind of grounded in their nastiness i suppose as opposed to like, you know a super villain who's trying to take over the world kind of thing i think that that goes back to most of those one shots as well to be fair that's what i mean that's what that's oh, yeah, start. Oh, okay yeah. yeah yeah so i think then just this you know since the start of technically this book but no if you can yeah no, since, since the very first issue it's all been about you know, going to these places where there's corrupt leaders and there's there's you know all, all these more kind of like i say just more grounded ideas i mean dark grounded ideas but grounded all the same mm. uh so that plays really well into that uh art's a bit more hit and mess i would say but uh what, what are you rating uh birds of pressure to uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. I would love to be able to give it an 8 or maybe higher, but the art just holds it back from that, unfortunately. Yeah. I, 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 I'm i pretty sure this is the, the fourth book in a row I've given the same rating, but I, I think I agree with the 7.5. As in, I really enjoyed the story, but the art just stops it from going into great territory. That's, I mean, that's not to say that the story couldn't be even better and maybe like break that threshold on its own anyway, but, uh, you know, as it is, really solid and enjoying yeah. the characters gse issue 10 written by jeff johns art by sorry jeff johns and david goyer forgive me and art by steven sadowski this is the Catman, so, Catman, wildcat i apologize that's a that's another freudian slip there <laughs> look calling wildcat Catman was bound to happen at some point right i'm, I'm surprised it's taking you this long of, of course you do it in the, the one issue that's his. <laughs> it's bound to happen at one point. He, uh, look, it doesn't. it's not my fault those two cat, you know, themed characters that are men. I mean, that's just men, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's cat women, which is why you jump to Catman first, but Catman's the anti-hero slash villain character. Wildcat's the GSA character who was always kind of the hero boxer, regardless. So this is this is him with the cliffhanger last issue was the Injustice Society, the new Injustice Society showing up, led by Johnny Sorrow. And we have you know, Wildcat in his towel, just out the bath, and he's he's looking up and he's he's all like dripping wet and he asked it run. So I appreciated the, the, the page with all the characters and the villains, you know. I mean we get we got most of them just from looking at them last issue, but it was just, just nice to have a nice set of this is Johnny Sorrow, this is Count Vertical, this is Icicle. I think Golden Wasp we probably didn't quite get. We probably just assumed that was uh, either what's his face, Wasp, the the moth. Oh, uh, Killer Moth. Killer Moth. Yeah, I think I think we may have guessed him. I'm not sure. I can't remember what we said last issue. Uh, we got Tigress. Uh, I'm going to go out and let and say Black Black Briar, Briar Thorn was maybe the one that we didn't get. Oh, we definitely didn't get that. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have uh, known that. I actually, this is one of these things I love about comics is that from the context of the narration, because of the way uh, he talks about him, 
it, you he, know, oh, this is an Alan Scott villain. This is an Alan Scott. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to read some Alan Scott comics. <laughs> I want to read about his adventures fighting against... It's, it's Ra- enough there that it's... Thorn. Thorn. I see it's a, a natural enough line that it, it doesn't feel like it's there just to tell us who it is. Mm. But it's, okay, this is the level of threat that he is because he's an Alan Scott villain and we know what Alan Scott's capable of. So it's it's, it's establishing to us what sort of level of a villain yeah, we're dealing it, with. It's building the story and the, the issue itself on top of the fact that it's also letting us know where he comes from. And if you do want to go and see more Blackbriar Thorn stories, then you can go and check out some Alan Scott stuff. Potentially. I mean, I don't know if any of it's even accessible right now because it's from a time period where not everything's actually digital, never mind in print. D- DC Wiki is your friend. Yes. But, you know, uh, it's cool stuff all the same. So we kind of have... You know, he runs off, Wellcat runs off, and he, he he has this great thing where he sort of like comes out the the garage on his bike, yeah, a Vertigo, Wasp, and Tigers are hunting him. And he comes out in full costume. He's still got the cast on his arm, but he's in full costume. And- I actually, I really like the touch with the cast in the first couple of pages where you can see all the various people that have signed it. Oh, sure, yeah. It's just a nice little touch. What I, what I like, though, is after that page, there's a, a moment where it's... Uh, geomancers walking through like one of the foyer areas and you just have like this dark area underneath the stairs and then the lights of the 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 motorbike come on and i like that you hear the sound effect first you hear the sound effect first but what i love about the visual is the uh the lights kind of make cat eyes if you look at them they look like cat eyes it's it's really nice touch really nice touch it is uh and then he rides him through the window he rides him through the window and he lands in the display with the bees from what old villain was this (laughs) um red bees red bees red bees living beehive there you go i can't claim to know where that's from the actual reason they're here though is because johnny sorrow wanted to collect the king of tears vial that is in the vault which is obviously the first appearance of King of Tears isn't until later in this this book. So uh, I know the name, but obviously when you read this for the first time, if you read this when it came out in ninety nine two thousand, this would have been a oh what? Yeah, it it very clearly says King of Tears on the vial. Yeah. Um. So it's it's making you aware of what it is uh, for later. So it's not just going to be contextual later. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's like an intrigue thing. It's like oh, what what's King of Tears and why does he want it? Yeah, and and Johnny Sorrow is, um. A fairly powerful character like yeah. in terms of threat level and you know just what he can do so him being after it uh says a lot yeah uh the whale cat takes on icicle uh which ends up in like the lab area because of course they have a lab area because <laughs> why wouldn't they uh and he gets zapped with lasers when he's on the uh on the like the operating table or whatever it is and then it's the Blackbriar Thorn stuff, where he, this is where we hear, oh, it's an Alan Scott villain. Uh, and, and likewise, there's another one that's uh, that's a J villain. W- which one was it? I think you may have already said it. Uh, but like, it, it, it establishes who some of these villains belong to. And I think because we're dealing with all these characters that come from the Golden Age, a lot of them anyway, like, we don't know the rogues gallery as well as we do the Silver Age characters. You know, we, we don't know jay's rogues gallery versus barry's i mean Bar- we all know barry's rogues gallery really well yeah so it's hard oh, not to at this true. point yeah but there's a there's like a the, there's like a transport system like a pneumatic tube and <laughs> in, in, the, in the building this is the other thing we're getting kind of like a a tour, a tour almost. of the jsa building yeah but yeah it's use- a, it does a lot actually in this issue in terms of establishing various villains the tour while also you know 
letting wildcats shine. Yeah, well, this is a good thing. I think if you know, if you came to this book and you don't really know who a lot of these characters are, this is the, the issue that makes you kind of like wildcat. You get a glimpse of his personality before now, but this is the issue where you're like, okay, he's this old timer who believes he's still got it in him and he's trying to hold his own and he's the sort of guy, he, he, he's definitely, this is very much the John McClane way of like, of one of these characters because this is very diehard S the way he's sort of sneaking around the building taking them on one by one it doesn't have the sneaking element quite as much because it is just kind of like okay one by one he's in these fights and, and let's be honest Wildcat doesn't have that salty in him no uh, but he throws uh, Black Bear Thorn down the, the tube and he's it's just like a pile of twigs and toothpicks yes uh, notable for later uh, Tigress is down there and Wildcat throws down a statue that happens to be next to the tube uh, great panel here actually because when he jumps down and he's just in like all silhouette and you see the eyes like as he's standing on top of the rubble crouching I would say but looking yeah looking at Tigress uh, and he does happen to drop in the narration that he may have had some uh, experience with uh, the original Tigress yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Artemis' mother you know the, uh, important uh, but they end up uh, in the, the gym area where there's a boxing ring which is notable because he essentially goads because because uh, at first he thinks that this uh, this golden wasp because he doesn't really know golden wasp but this, uh, this is the one that was Jay's villain uh, uh, killer wasp killer wasp well I mean in, in the narration here Wildcat refers to him as killer wasp so I'm assuming so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right because I'm pretty sure it was golden wasp on the first page and the, when well, it that's interesting then. I, I wonder if that's Wildcat getting it wrong and just not knowing enough about this guy and be like, eh, who cares? Or if there is a genuine mistake. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to go back and check now. But no, I'm... I just did. You're right. It does say Golden oh. Wasp. Right, good. Ah, once uh, again. Well, I, I just, I was, I mean, that's intriguing that it's, it's highlighted that there because, I mean, Furus is a fairly forgettable character and that we don't really know him anyway. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming now that this means that Wildcat doesn't either really because he, he actually you know he says you know kill a wasp you know like uh you know he's like oh, reminds me of someone else um so i guess he, even to him he's like ah, i don't really know much about this guy is that is what that's supposed to be telling us well yeah i mean it's kind of clear afterwards anyway because he assumes that his wings will be fake but then he's surprised when they turn out to be real that he's actually some kind of mutant rather than someone who's dressed up in the theme of a wasp but he, he does mention here that, you know, he's not Jay. He can't just dodge his lightning bolts forever because he can fire lightning bolts, this dude, for the record. Uh, and so that tells us this is a Jay villain. Again, really fun little bit of mythology there that's kind of setting this up. But he goads him into a fist fight. He's like, ah, you know, you won't come down here and fame like a man. And the guy kind of like, you know, Wasp takes off his like top, basically. And he's like, he, he, he does look kind of, you know, he looks like a mutant. He looks like a, uh, well, I guess meta-human is more correct because we're in DC. But uh, in the sense that he's actually more of a mutant Wasp. I'm, th- rather than the, I'm not thinking... I'm not thinking the same way that we use mutant in Marvel or in the same way that we use a, a meta human in DC. I'm thinking more like Jeff Goldblum went into the, into the transporter the fly, yeah. Yeah, and came out mutated with a fly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty accurate description, I would say. Yeah. And let's be honest, I wouldn't be too surprised if that was some variation of his origin. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, given, at- given the time period he's from. Well, I mean, he's a J villain, so there's a good chance he existed before uh, even the original Fly movie. I mean, it's possible. Um, I mean, he's in that you know period where it could have been a J villain that came after that. It could have been because uh, the original Fly was in the fifties. For anyone who doesn't know uh, what we're talking about here, the Vincent Price movie was in the fifties. Uh, but of course, uh, that, this is his mistake because Wildcat's a boxer, and there's a nice little touch here where 
he says something like, you think you're the you're a winner and he's like no i don't think so and it, it, the panel is again it feels like a camera move because of the, the pacing of it but it goes past his shoulder and shows this championship belt in a case behind him and then you get the full page spread of him knocking out wasp uh but of course it, the art changes so that he's in a boxing ring purely a visual thing now we know there's actually a boxing ring in the gym but it kind of works in the way that it doesn't even need to be there it's, it's just like a visual thing where no no he's in his boxing mode right now he's he's, yeah. he's, he's throwing his knockout punch like he did back in the day it works because they are physically in the boxing ring anyway and they have yeah. been for pages at this point but notably but i think it's the way that the shot changes the coloring pops well, it, it, it takes away everything else though it's just the boxing ring yeah i mean but even the colors of the ropes on the ring are brighter than they were it really emphasizes it it's a it's a great touch yeah, but then, and then Jerry Sorrow sort of says, yeah, I got what we came for, so we can all leave now. So everyone just kind of zaps out. And he's, you know, Wildcat's left scratching his head. So he doesn't really accomplish a whole lot, which is the interesting thing. Uh, but we've got this new super villain team, and this is our big introduction to all of them. It lets Wildcat shine, which is wonderful. It gives him this this shoe to himself where we all get to know who he is. We get to know these villains. And then we get this great joke ending where the GSE get back from their, from their mission from the previous few issues. And they're like, what the hell happened? There's, there's like, there's like a, a hurricane came through here. What, what's going on, Ted? And he's like, ah, Johnny Sorrow showed up, and you know, unfortunately though, they all they all vanished before I could finish reading them in riot, the riot act. And he's like, well, all but one, as he picks his tooth with a toothpick. Uh, yeah. I all, this is one of those little endings where I always remember this, no matter how much I forgot of the, all the issues of this I read. I always remember the ending of this issue of him with the toothpick. It's super memorable, and I think the moment I forget that I actually love because it, 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 in context here is just the power for is, is Courtney looking at the, the pile of all the wood shavings and mm. picking up a full hand as he's in. And then it cuts to him, you know, with, with the toothpick bit. And it's just, just enough that that, that was a hand. Uh, <laughs> it makes it so much better. And I don't know like what the rules are with uh, Blackbriar is like I don't I don't know if like he's he can still come back like, if this is just like bits of wood that he's left behind is, is it like Groot where he's regrown elsewhere? I think it's possible. Just again, entirely on context of in this issue, he makes a point of saying, "Oh, I, I've returned from hell, and yeah. you know, it'd be nice to see Alan, you know, if he well, was here." That was the interesting thing is in the narration when when Ted's talking about him, he he mentions that Thorn claims that he was around for the building of Stonehenge. Like, and I'm like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I guess it's not that different from Vandal Savage being thousands of years old, but I don't know. Like, that's, that's specifically quite interesting. <laughs> You've got this Groot-type villain who's been around, at least the claims to be around that long. So, no. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, honestly, like, the issue, does it advance a whole lot of plot? It, it essentially teases one thing with the King of Tears, but it's interesting this new team of villains... It lets our, one of our heroes uh, give them a chance to shine and really get to know him, really get to know a lot of who these villains are. And it's just a really fun, engaging issue that uh, like, I, I have very little to complain or critique. It's it's kind of a wonderful ball issue, right? And then you have the art, which... The art overall quality is pretty good, but I think the sequential art is the best thing about it. I think the way it flows in some of those action sequences as he's fighting various things, on the, whether it's on the motorbike and the way it builds up as he's coming out, or it's the sequential of going down the tube and the statue, and then him... like All the stuff feels like it flows exceptionally well. Uh, the boxing match is, in particular sticks out. 
Yeah, and it, it does a lot for Wildcat's character because, again, I think a lot of people came into this book not knowing necessarily who all of these were, um, myself included the first time I read it. And he's kind of, in many ways, you know, he, he has to answer that, that Batman question of, okay, well, he's, he's got no powers on this team, so mm -hmm. what, you know, why, why is he here for a lot of the time? Why was he always a member uh, without powers? And it's not like the gadgets or the smart side, Batman, obviously, but just he holds his own against this entire team. And and you go, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. If I, if I, if I can think of a complaint, it's actually just something that goes against something else it does. And that's that there's the, the one page or the two pages in the middle where it's Johnny Sorrow going into the vault to get the King of Tears is bathed in red. The idea being that there's like a red light in the vault, right? So it's just bathed in red. And it's this thing that's telling you that this is the most important page in the whole issue because this is the thing that's teasing what's to come. This is the actual dangerous thing that's happening that's going to have consequences. And my complaint is not that. I love that. That's a great idea. The complaint is, is that the first page where he's fighting Icicle, there's also a red light that bathes everything in red light for a page. And I felt like that almost like, no, you should have done that. <laughs> have I think it, just it hurts particularly more because that's the very next page. Yeah. Uh, so I would that if I was going to critique something, say something that, that makes it not perfect, it would be I would not have had that ex, extra page in red. I agree. Yeah. The only other thing I would say is okay. You know, he's wearing a cast on his arm. It's it's clearly bad, but he's fine. He's he's throwing punches with that arm the whole issue. I think it, it would be maybe more interesting if show that he is handicapped. He is an arm down. He can't you know properly punch with that hand. Maybe something I think uh, would have elevated it even more. Yeah, I actually, Joe. I think that is. I think that's actually a, a a victim of the fact that he had so many characters to go through. I think if you like, maybe have the number of characters he had to fight through, you could have spent more time of him like realizing he had a handicap in each fight and how he has to get around it with each particular mm. villain. But honestly, the only one I really mind in is the the boxing match mm. section where, okay, no, he's a champion boxer. Don't get me wrong, we know this, and this guy's better than he expected. But he's handicapped, and I don't think it ever, only it emphasizes the handicap at all, and uh, that is a little disappointing, I guess. Yeah. Or even use it to his advantage. You know, a cast can be pretty hard if you hit someone in the head with it. <laughs> like, I bet it can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, potentially, but despite despite those fairly minor complaints, uh, it's a pretty standout issue that, uh, and a run that's already felt like it's had some really great issues it's it stands out so far so this is uh, one of one of my all-time memorable issues yeah what are you uh what are you giving it uh, i'm giving it a nine I, I i really love this issue you keep taking the ratings i'm going to pick but all right fine. Well, you, you can go first if you want i mean i can but uh for the record though almost every and every with the exception of one where i was sort of humming and hawing after it, i i'd already kind of had my number in my head before you said it i think i think is wonder woman the only book we haven't agreed on so far yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true, yes. I said that we had agreed on them all. That's obviously not true, because Wonder Woman. But other than Wonder Woman. Uh, yes. So, there you go. That is GSA issue 10. Action Comics 770. Joe Kelly writing with Kano on the art. I'm sure I corrected this joke last time, but it's nice to see Kano from Mortal Kombat still getting that, uh, that art artist work. I'm like 90% sure you did. And I'm sure he's he's on something recently on the main show. Uh, maybe it was a digital first book. I don't know. That maybe that's why you didn't crack the joke. But I remember being surprised that you haven't cracked it. Well, here we are. 
we finally come to the last issue of this god-awful story arc. <laughs> Anyone... Anytime I ever see this on a list of best stories ever again, <laughs> it is it, completely devalued the rest of the list because this is a common thing to see on those, you know, top 10 stories. Do you, and... what, do you know what I think it is? I think it's just a case of there's a limited number of standalone Superman stories that aren't part of a full run. You know, it's just uh, you can recommend this one graphic novel, for lack of a better term, and have someone read it from start to finish and get a full story. And Superman kind of hurts from the aspect that he has four really good origin <laughs> like books <laughs> like so it feels yeah. like when you recommend all the best superman stories like four of them are origins and it's like well that's a bit frustrating even though they're all worthwhile in their own ways mm. so that's that's the that's the odd thing uh, so I, I guess it fills out just because it just happens to be another superman story that they can recommend i, I just think at that point make it a top nine <laughs> yes just stop this, this this should not be on those lists so you know how we ended the last issue with the Justice League saying we're going to like actually band together because we're inspired by that TV show hell that he was living through and that he never like lost his character and that inspired Wonder Woman and the rest of the league to become themselves? The opening of this book just has them all lying like half dead because they've already been beat. It amounted to nothing. I'm shocked. Which would be fine if there was like a fight and the whole point of the fight was that they can't win. Fine. But we literally just, we end on the cliffhanger of hurrah, the team, the cavalry's coming. And it's just, no, it's already over at the start of the book. And one of the worst things about this issue, or this this story in general, has been the pages where it's the Joker and the bad guys, and Joker's just monologuing, because that's where the dialogue's at its most wordiest, it's the, it's the longest it's taken. And this, by the way, is a double-sized issue, let oh, me be that. Yeah, that, that, that. <laughs> look, let's be honest, we, we had some... You know, we, we, some plumbing issues and tech issues that, that <laughs> delayed the recording of this. Before all of that, there was a little bit of a delay where it's just, oh, God, this is double length and neither of us really want to yeah, read it. <laughs> I, I think this, this this recording got delayed twice. Out of the, this is, I think this recording got delayed a total of four times. Two of them were plumbing and internet issues. The other two were because one of us just couldn't muster the courage to read this issue. And... <laughs> Because all the rest of the books, the other six books, I read them all a week ago for the original time we were supposed to record this. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to actually skim through them all again uh, today just to re refresh my memory on all of them because it had been too long. This issue I read yesterday because every time it got pushed, was, oh, I don't have to read that Action Comics issue. I could, I could push it off. I could See, keep pushing I, it. I was in the unfortunate place where I read the other six on, on one day, like a week ago, like the day before we were going to record. And it's like, okay, we're recording that tomorrow. So and then it got to like you know an hour before we were going to record, and I forced myself through it. And then for whatever reason, I think you didn't, you couldn't, you couldn't face it that night. And we're like, you're like, we'll do it, we'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've had this read for like a, a week, and every other book I skimmed because it's like, no, yeah, yeah, okay, I want to, I want to, you know, make sure I know, re refresh the, that I've talked about the the, the beats. I'll have a proper conversation and, about and, it. Yeah. I'm I'm not wasting my time skimming all forty pages of this shit. <laughs> it's just this was a short to get through, and I don't know if it's technically the worst issue of the whole run, but it's definitely close. And even if it's technically not, the fact that it's double the size means that it just kind of is by default anyway can, because of that. Can, can we talk about one of the worst elements of this issue? You 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 thought the Justice League kind of just being a nothing thing was frustrating. Mm -hmm. Lois. Wasn't a ruse after all? 
Oh, uh, yeah. It's just, like, she's just kind of... She actually changed her mind and went over to, to Joker, and now she's like, well, maybe not. And, and she doesn't know, but it, it, it wasn't like all a, a part of some plan to get in there. Yeah. And she... the extreme cleavage with the corset that, that they're drawing her in is uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. They got, they got the cleavage there. And they got Superman and Batman like tied up together. Batman's being like mauled by, was this, vultures every night. Uh, dying a lot of deaths. Uh, his it's, mouth... uh, it's, it's Prometheus, essentially. Yeah, his uh, mouth is uh, sealed shut, but he's he's clicking Morse code for Superman to <laughs> understand. And like Harley becomes a st- like a, st- like, a constellation. <laughs> I don't know those Batman pages, like with him being tortured by the vultures on their own. Like just taking on those, they are some great horrific pages. If that was four issues ago in this story, like in the middle, I'd be like, sure. Here in the very final issue, I'm like, why are we wasting time on this now? Yeah, Lois goes to see Superman is like, you know, make me believe, make me actually want to believe to help you. And then Joker's upset because he's like, oh, Lois, you're siding with the enemy. I I must ruin the the universe for this. I'm going to just kill everything. And then Superman flies through his head because Joker's supersized, by the way. Joker's like 100 foot tall during this scene. It's worth mentioning that. Yeah. Superman flies through his forehead, knowing that Joker could just will just come back because he's ruler of the universe. <laughs> he could do what he wants. But Lois actually gets caught by Superman as she's shot, and then as she's been held in his arms, reverts back to real Lois Lane just to die in, her, in his arms. In this, you know, obviously everything's going to get fixed, so it doesn't and, really and mean then much. But Joker hits him with a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally the very next panel. I just I feel like this moment where she really becomes Lois again and remembers everything just feels so tacked on after it's, it was kind of just awkwardly not done properly before that it just didn't have any weight to it for me. Um, I mean, I, I'm all for alternate universe stories or alternate reality stories that are going to be reset where we see like bad things happen to the characters like someone dying who we're obviously not going to kill off in the real story. But you can still make it make us feel like Clark cares. It can still matter. It can still matter in this context of the story if it's well done. And here, it just, you know, it, it can add to the themes of the ongoing overall story that you're telling in your main book. It can it can do these things. Like, uh, and you're going to hate me bringing this up, but hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer did have, you know, The Wish in season three, which I actually just did the commentary for for patrons. And like everything that happens in that, that episode technically doesn't matter going forward because all the characters forget it, right? But everything that happens in the story, in the in this alternate universe, all of it adds to the themes of the season. All, all of it plays into what the characters are going through. It's kind of like, here's... Because the whole point of this, the episode was really like, so this is a Slayer without our friends and family. Oh, what is she like? Oh, she's basically Faith, <laughs> right? And the whole point of that season is the idea that, okay, here's the Slayer who doesn't have these things and what she becomes because she doesn't have those things. And then even the fact that, like, one of the characters gets killed in it by other characters, it's kind of a, almost like an extreme metaphor for what they're actually putting her through in the real universe, in the real story. All of it ties into the real thing, so it has weight to it, even though technically the events we know aren't going to stick, and even the characters don't remember them afterwards. Here, <laughs> nothing means anything. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just Waste of time. Waste of time. It's all just Jokers being wacky. Uh, Mixy comes and talks to Superman and is like, blah, 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 you have to fix this. Superman... The art is um, incredibly messy at this point. And yes. not in like, it's not like badly drawn. 
I don't think. It's just there's so much going on. So busy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's hard to follow anything. It's uh, it it loses all its flow because uh, because of how hard to f- follow anything actually is uh, for at least two or three pages here. Yeah. So. Yeah, Superman's whole plan is that he's got a a son. <laughs> he's got he's got a yellow son, and basically they end up in like a negative universe, and the art gets kind of weird. I actually quite like the art here. I I like it in principle. I like kind of the overall weird feeling of it. I do think they didn't necessarily like Superman's face looks kind of weird. Like they didn't account for what the different like the the black paper they're drawing on was going to do to it. I think on some panels, yes. Others, I think it look. I think that first panel of Superman's face is is probably the worst instance of it. Joker looks pretty interesting, I think. Especially at the bottom of that page where it first goes like that. I think that's a really good panel of Joker. Yeah, I I think I I think I really like this in concept, and it's and it coming off of those really busy pages. This feels clean and refined in comparison. That it's. (sighs) interesting joe is so funny about this though is that superman essentially gets to why you've not just killed the universe and the funny thing is, is despite the fact that this is called superman emperor joker the entire end game of this story the point of this story is that it's actually more about batman and that batman is so important to the joker that despite the fact that joker will say this and that and whatever is that the reason why he's not just killed batman is because a world without Batman is pointless to live in. And this ties into things we like to talk about, about Joker really actually more being in love with Batman and he hates him because it's more about this this wanting to constantly play the game with him. Yeah, kind of and thing. he literally can't write him out of existence. You have Joker yelling at, at the artist, saying, oh, which part of Batman no longer exists don't you understand, with you know Batman everywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's it's really notable art touch that, that Batman isn't in the negative space. Yeah, he feels he's, normal. He's all normal. Yeah. Uh, and... All I could think was the end of this was why why can't Joker succeed in destroying the universe? Bec- and it's because well because, because Batman because Batman <laughs> because Batman. Uh, and it's just really funny to me that this this became it's almost like the only real connection to Superman is, is that, aside from the fact that we're obviously following him throughout the story is that Mixie's the reason why Joker has these powers. But it's actually more of a Batman endpoint in terms of what the story is really saying, which is bold <laughs> yeah and and we say oh you know this this has no meaning and batman at, at the end here it, it it does affect him like and, and superman has to take that from him do you think batman would love this that uh, batman sorry do you think matt would love this page this full page spread of batman with like the universe inside him as if batman is the universe <laughs> he uh, probably hates that I think I think Matt would love this page. I think he'd he'd probably like the 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 moment after where where Bruce is still you know the memories of everything that's happened and uh, you know and he's it's he's completely broken and, and Superman has to like take those memories into himself and you know it, it's Batman leaning on Superman even, even now, if Batman is the universe to the Joker Superman's still his crutch. I I do have a problem with this in theory I like this concept this idea that the pain is too much to take so Superman takes it from someone and sort of holds that burden my two issues here is that one i don't think this story earns this really kind of dramatic weighty beat at the end it's been too no. goofy and light-hearted but two if especially with batman because i think batman like batman's whole thing is that he experienced the most horrible thing that he ever could right when he was a kid and that's kind of what 
why Batman exists. It's why Batman is Batman. He's he's always living with something horrible. Now, telling me that he has experienced death, you know, thousands of times horribly every night during this whole Joker universe shenanigans, it's so flippant in how it presents it that I just, I can't, I don't feel the weight of, like, he's actually went through this. So when you have him cowering this at the end, all I can feel is, like, you've not earned this. You've not earned Batman feeling this way. I agree. I think the idea that just literal, literal physical torture, because that's what this boils down to, what mm. happened to him, um, that that is enough to break Batman. Doesn't feel right. Yeah. It feels off, just in terms of how Batman's usually written. And I'm not saying that you can't have Batman eventually hit his breaking point. Like, I'm all for stories that explore that. I'm not I think saying the problem is we come in with him already at that breaking point. So yeah. it's, it's, which is what it's I'm saying is that it has to earn it. It has to actually show us him going to that point. Uh, the story does not earn that because it just kind of a it's far too lighthearted and b it just kind of jumps to the end point. It doesn't actually give us that story. So, if you want to give me the story of what breaks Batman and Superman has to take that pain away from him so that he can actually be Batman again, he can still be him. You're going to have to sell me. You're going to have to make it this horrible, essentially torture porn. <laughs> I'm joking a little bit, but you're going to have to make it something really dramatic. It's going to have to be this traumatizing thing. Like, I don't know, something. But doing it this way just felt kind of cheap. It felt like you're going for this big dramatic way at the end of it. And honestly, it felt kind of weird given that just a couple of years later, we were going to have Identity Crisis, which was all about like taking people's memories, even if it was for a good reason. Mm. Like, it's not quite the exact same but it kind of feels like it's, it's, it's edging into that territory and batman was against that so and I, I i don't remember that coming up in identity crisis that this happened uh it's been so long and for um, the record superman was also against that in that story yeah that's true um it's been so long, i don't recall uh it maybe it was mentioned um i'm, I'm gonna try not to hold that against this book too much because it, it doesn't know what stories are going to do in the future that's that's not its responsibility it has enough problems of its own <laughs> so I, got, I got enough things to complain about with what this book actually does wrong to worry about how well, this yeah, affects I, a story in the future well my complaint isn't that it affects a story in the future though you're taking what i'm saying the wrong way i'm saying that this characterization of superman just deciding to do this in the space of about 10 seconds feels untrue to his character and i'm using the story from later which holds true to what okay. i expect from him oh yeah i'm with you that, that makes sense my problem here isn't that i don't know it doesn't line up with that continuity wise or it contradicts that particular story I, I guess my problem is that it feels like it contradicts just superman in general yeah i agree with you i mean the idea of him taking the pain i get but he doesn't just take the pain he takes the memories you know bruce wakes up and he's like oh that's the best night's sleep i've had <laughs> had some nightmares but i always have nightmares so whatever <laughs> uh yeah. and you know we see lois and jimmy back at the the planet and it, this is the other thing because we started already in the fake world it's kind of weird that we come back and it's like you know it, it almost feels like we were missing a, like a, a few scenes at the start before it changed and i, know it's I think weird. we felt that in the very first issue didn't we yeah. like, that was one of our complaints that it just threw us in at the deep end and and it, i know it felt weird Obviously, it's Superman. We know Lois, Jimmy, and Perry. We know the, the status quo, typically, because it's just this comic books. But it just in the context of its own story, it feels weird. Like, if this was an episode of a Superman TV show, there'd be 
probably at least a scene before the opening credits that would the cliffhanger before the title screen would be wait we're in a different world or superman wakes up in arkham or something like that like what's yeah. going on i mean not necessarily but probably uh it just it feels weird because it, it that's almost felt like there was there should have been a scene at the start with like a very similar kind of thing where lois was working on the same article and was struggling and honestly uh, there's that or maybe i would have done something with with uh superman and batman having a scene at the start in the real yeah. world to show their relationship and to show you given that that's the end point of the series right you know the, the lowest stuff is kind of brushed aside don't know it has a, it has a beat here but it feels like it's not as important as the batman stuff in this and- entire issue and batman actually showed up relatively and he was in the it wasn't until the second half because it was after the special that he went yeah, looking I, for I, him i feel like it was only these last three issues that he was in it yeah i'm sure he's in the one after the special uh i, I think the one after the special is the one that maybe ended with the cliffhanger of like batman's dead like you know where he finds uh, him. it might be here yeah. so like it was relatively late on and given that the entire end point feels really centered on batman and superman as a, as a unit and how what Batman is to the Joker, it feels kind of weird how... I think if you, if you have that introductory scene yeah. of of Clark and Bruce doing something together, not even anything important, but just showing their relationship, I think going into the into the, the other world then and being like, okay, well, this is Joker. It's obviously a, a Batman villain. And, and we're, we're actually going, well, where is Batman? What's going on? You know, maybe a little bit more. And then you can still have him show up quite late and it have impact, maybe yeah uh so like i say bruce is like i had i didn't dream at all i had a good sleep and bruce clark's like yeah i i, I had dreams uh and then it cuts to joker and then and presumably arkham uh just in a straight jacket drilling from the mouth and uh, gibbering emperor joker over and over again uh the idea that this, this experience might have actually broke him even further than someone like the joker already is yeah. But uh, that that is the end of the story, and holy crap, I'm so glad it's over. It, <sighs> Thank God. It, I mean, a lot of the concepts are fine, but the way it was written, the way it was presented, it was probably twice as long as it needed to be for a start. There was entire issues that felt like filler. Even this this double finale, like, could have been half the length. I don't know why it was as long as it was. So money. Well, no, I, I, I get I, that. I know. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm just being cynical. I, I, I know. There's no story reason. It, it feels pointless. Yeah. So, I'm glad it's done. I'm glad that next, next time we will be starting on Shazam: The New Beginning, which is a, a three or four issue mini. And we actually have the vote up right now for what's going to replace that because obviously it's so short that we need the next replacement ready. So, and we don't have the winner yet because we're recording this a few days before the end of the month. So we'll know by next time uh, what the the book that's replacing shazam will be but uh at least you know for now that is superman emperor joker we've crossed something off the list good riddance i guess we need to rate this final issue and why is it a three out of ten connor (laughs) it is exactly a three out of ten good work (laughs) Mm. Uh, we are lining up uh scarily today um I mean, it's a three out of ten for the last I don't know, ten minutes that we just ran, rambled on about how bad this issue is. The art is all over the place. It has it has moments of really good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but overall, it's it's overly busy. Uh, some terrible depictions of Lois. Uh, terribly uncomfortable. Um, the, the writing's the, atrocious. It's the one-two punch. It's a shorty read, and just you know, and just in the terms of it's just annoying to read page to page. That's the first main problem, and the second main problem 
is the fact that when we get to the end story point, it feels unearned and rushed, and it's going for this big, heavy idea that just feels... It just feels untrue. I just don't buy it. Yeah, and and, and the, the worst part is we should buy it just on, on context of how much of these characters we've read elsewhere. We mm. know what their relationship like is like, you know, so well. It shouldn't need to have to set up in its own story what it is for it to work for us. Yet the fact that it doesn't is really telling. Imagine putting this on a list of, you know, here's, here's 10 Superman stories that anyone should read and someone works through them and picks this one first. And they've never really read a lot of comics. They'll never read another comic again in their life. <laughs> Even the first issue, which we actually did kind of like in the end, like we had some problems, but we were definitely kind of positive on it. Even that on its own, I think if you've never read a comic before, you'd just be so confused. We were confused, and we've read, yeah. read thousands of comic books. <laughs> so We have done literally hundreds of episodes of content on just DC Comics, and, and, and the, we were still like, what's going on here? And the whole thing with the, the Batman Superman thing at the end is that like, it's okay that this is different to the norm. That's the whole point of like the, the, the appeal of doing the story where Batman gets so much trauma that he can't take it. And your ending is, is that Superman has to take that pain from him. Almost, and it's almost a little bit too Christ-like, actually, to be honest. <laughs> like, sometimes yeah. I like to do the whole metaphor with uh, Superman and Jesus, but like, fine, you want to do that story, but the, the appeal of that story is that you're doing something out of the norm, that you're driving Batman to a point that he's never been driven to before, and that's the story. But the story doesn't actually but, focus on any of that. But that's not the story no, here, even it, though it should be. <laughs> it just does this thing at the end, and it's like, okay, alright, whatever. Alright, there you go, that's... Uh, Action Comics 770 is the issue in question, but it's the finale to Emperor Joker. Batgirl, issue 7. Brian Q. Miller, uh, writing with Lee Garbutt and Tim Levins on the art. Rounding out this Batgirl rising three-part story, which is Batgirl and Robin are racing towards Batman, who's been hunted by a series of C-list assassins. Uh, Roulette's got this whole game on. She's filming the whole thing, broadcasting it over the internet. And even even offering uh, uh, a portion of uh, the revenue of the DVD sales, which just kind of just puts us in the... Just, you can kind of date this a little bit. DVD sales, and back when that was relevant. This, this isn't even that long ago, really. No, I think it's just interesting, because this is... Interestingly, in 2009, when this came out, I would have... I had just, a year before, went HD and like was on, on the Blu-rays at that point. But... I think it's notable that now you would never like sell someone on like oh you'll get a cut of the DVD sales because DVD it's, sales are relatively small now. It, it's it's bizarre. It's only, only you know ten years and that is that's just tech ir ir irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just for the record, it's just Lee Garbutt on this art, um, this issue. DC Wiki told me else. I am uh, looking at the credits page right now. Well, go go and fix DC Wiki's page then. Correct it. Someone, do you know what? Someone who listens to our stuff, the amount of times we'll go DC <laughs> Wiki's wrong. One of our listeners should take it upon themselves to go and actually make those corrections. Actually, to, to be fair, to, to credit to DC Wiki, this is the first time I think they've been wrong. It's actually Comixology who has it wrong a lot, which is not user-submitted. So No, Comixology are much worse for that than they really should be. No, uh, and it's always like understandable mistakes. So you can always tell it's like who was supposed to be on it before it changed, or it was like whoever was on the previous issue and they've just not changed it. Like it's always like understandable what they've done, but it happens often enough. And I think the problem is they don't correct it. No. So yeah, they're racing off to to save Dick Dick Bats, 
and Damien wants nothing to do with Batgirl, of course, and he runs to get a bike out of one of the, the storage places. And because of this, Babs is like, hey, alright, I've got something for a rainy day. Go to underneath my, my place, into the, the, the garage. And we get this weird bat pod bike I, thing. I, I hate the design of this thing. <laughs> I, think, I think it's ugly as shit. I... It, it it distracts me the entire time that I'm reading this. It, she's like lying forward inside that pod, like having to crane her neck up to see the road. I'm assuming, like, what? This I, is terrible. I don't hate it. Do you know, do you know what this is inspired by? It's inspired by the tumbler because you know when he's firing the weapons in the tumbler in the bat movies, it yeah. sort of like puts them down because it happens to Gordon as well, where they go into this lying position where they're firing the weapons. I think this is kind of like maybe like just that idea on its own. Uh, yeah, see, I get it in that context where that's just okay weapons mode, so it it, it shifts right. It's like I don't know. It's it's like in the in, in the Millennium Falcon where you know they've got the 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 shooting turrets down the ladders, right? You know, it's it's kind of like oh separating those departments in that way. Whereas this here is just it's supposed to be driving like that. It's terrible. Well, I think to be fair, in the tumbler, essentially what he goes into, you don't realize until the second movie, but. What essentially what he's getting into is the bat pod position. So I feel like uh, the only real mistake here from a, a usability standpoint is that it's just not, they've not got like an, an arc enough in it where it's clear that she's on more of like a, just a sort of low angle seat as opposed to lying on her stomach is what, what it looks like. I think the, the problem is with the with the, 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 the bike version of the tumbler, he can still sit up, he leans forward, but he's very clearly on a bike and still sitting. Whereas this physically looks like she's laying down inside the pod. Is is, is more I, the, I didn't the have the uh, the big issue with. I mean, I don't necessarily love it, but it didn't bother me. Oh, I, I I actively hate it every time it was on screen. It, it I, was it was ugly. Yeah. So uh, because we've got these two in play, really, it's like up in the ante and like open the bet and back up all that jazz. Uh, that line comes later, but you know it cuts back to her a couple of times and she sort of like reacts to what's going on. Uh, maybe even adds like bounties on their heads as well just to make things interesting uh, but they finally kind of agree a little bit uh, when they get there uh, Batman's facing off against Dr. Phosphorus who tries to give him cancer there's a gorgeous page of him swaying away from like an explosion mm. that's great uh, so but they agree to to, uh, to to sort of like form a plan together but this is when the others come in Roxy who's like on the little rockets flying around uh, comes in so ba uh, sorry let's see, I was going to say Babs there uh, Steph launches herself this this thing has like an eject system where it kind of like arcs up and launches her out so she lands on the, the rocket the Roxy rocket <laughs> and that's where the front cover comes from uh, that said though I think the actual page in the issue looks much better than the front cover just because the, uh, the colours the colouring on the front cover is very kind of uh, washed out in comparison uh, I, I'm likely to being the minority here because I'm pretty sure Connor loves the artist who did the cover. Um, I think it's interesting because uh, it's a, it's a Noto cover. Like uh, I think all mm. of this series has been so far. I don't have, I don't know, I can't remember if that stops at some point. Uh, it's probably my least favorite Noto. Oh, cover it definitely so far, stops but... because uh, my I'm pretty sure the the first Sejic covers that I know of are later on. Oh, are they on this series? Okay. Yeah, I, think I, don't, so. I don't remember. It's been a while. If it's not Sejic, it's someone like Sejic because they're very Sejic esque. But uh, uh, definitely not Noto. I guess is the, the point. But then uh, Robin comes in and rides the bike into uh, into Phosphorus when he's got Batman, uh, and then eventually 
Steph kind of swoops in in the Roxy rocket to hit Phosphorus as well. So they actually work together. They formed this little plan, and then the the, the duplicate guy. What was his name? I can't remember. Um. Oh God, I'm I'm blanking as well. That's right. Uh, but they're they're fighting Riot, and Damien's like, "Hey, if it's not the original Riot, technically, I'm not it killing anyone." It doesn't count as maiming, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not lethal if I'm if I'm killing the non-originals. And Dick's like, "Yeah, it sounds like a plan." <laughs> Actually, not Steph. Sorry, Steph says it sounds like a plan. Uh, and yeah. Steph's like sort of carting Dick off to the side, and yeah, so she's like, "Okay." And, and he pays her a compliment. Says, "Nice work." Yeah, she's like, I need to go back and help him. So she goes back and helps Damien in the fight. Uh, Roulette tries to run off, but of course the entire team shows up to stop her. You got Dick, Robin, and Batgirl all as a unit. Uh, but of course they're still bickering, even though they're winning, even though they're standing there triumphantly. They're still bickering because Damien yeah, ha- tr- tries he's trying to do the one-liners. He tries to pull a one-liner, and Steph is like, "Don't be lame." Uh, so I, I love Dick there being like, "Shush, he's learning." Yeah, like, let, let him try. <laughs> it comes to them, the, the two kids essentially, Steph and Damien, are, are up just sort of eating pizza or whatever it is. Uh, no waffles, sorry. Of course it's waffles. waffles. Why, of course why, it is. I was going to say, why would you go to pizza? This is Steph. Yeah, I, I just because they're not not at Steph's place. They're in the cave, right? <laughs> But that's I, how time important waffles are to Steph. There are waffles everywhere. I, I, guess, I guess she keeps waffles in one of the pouches. She's got a lot of pouches on the belt. But <laughs> Babs has said something to Alfred. <laughs> yes. But uh, they're sort of like, oh, they're down there talking about us, right? And it's like, yeah. Uh, and then like, Dick and Babs are like, yeah, we're, they know that we're talking about them. And, you know, it's kind of them agreeing. There's even a joke at the end where it's like, okay, so what, you get Alfred on alternating weekends? Like, you know, how do we... How do we sort this? But she kind of admits that this is equally for her as it is for Steph. Like, Steph needs to do this and she needs to do this. This is something that's important to her. So, you know, they, they kind of agree and see eye to eye. So, I mean, that story was always going to be about Dick accepting that Steph was going to be the new Batgirl and be on the Bat family and be a, you know, a, a sanctioned part of the family, I suppose, is the, is the best way to put it. Just in the same way that Batgirl Year One, which we'll do at some point, no doubt, uh, with Babsy's sort of origin in the in the world not obviously her first appearance that's way before that but uh the idea being that by the end it's all about batman accepting her into being a crime fighter and being a part of the gotham and not stopping her and you know being an actual ally so it makes a lot of sense for it to end that way Uh, there's a little twist here at the end where the guy that she was kind of flirting with uh seems to be gay uh that's kind of her little she's sort of like watching she's kind of like annoyed at first because he's he seems to be back with the girl that he was with but then he also hugs the guy and she's like oh well okay then (laughs) uh yeah because the guy's there waiting being like you know don't disappear on me again yeah uh so it's kind of a little jokey ending to just kind of the because the the romance side of that was very minor and it was just kind of there to set up what the plot was so it's just a nice little capper on it to sort of like she basically had a crush for 10 minutes yeah write it off uh and it's just like yeah that bat girl i'm in the city and she rides off on her bike uh with a signal behind her uh so it's, it's very much the origin arc i think it's interesting that we get a two issue arc of babs accepting her and then or sorry a three issue arc of babs accepting her and then a three issue arc of just the, the greater bat family accepting her so she's finally come so i like that it kind of takes the origin and splits it into two it is because it's, it's very much you know your, your standard six issue arc for an origin right um, and it, this still functions as that. It's just it does it in two parts, mm-hmm. which I think works really well in the context. The idea that Babs gets first dibs on on accepting a new Batgirl, like she, she's the first line of 
of not defense. Gonna give but, her approval yeah. first. She yeah. she has to be first because it's more personal to her, and she's obviously going to be more prominent in the book as well. Uh, whereas Batman and Damien, you know, they'll fade away to the background now for a while. And uh, although we have a, a Red Robin crossover next, I believe, which only makes sense given that it's uh, it's Steph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, it should be good. Uh, honestly, this issue really strong. Uh, I mean, obviously you hit the 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 bike design, but I'm I'm knocking off a full point for the bike design. I'm you now, every time it showed up, it distracted me. Of course. Well, she's got it in the next issue as well, so you're just going to have to accept it going forward. I will always knock off a point if if it's as heavily utilized as this. Bloody hell! Uh, no, I mean obviously the art's really good. There were some fantastic action pages. Everything with Dick and Phosphorus, uh, the jumping through the air, all that stuff was solid. And uh, I mean it's a very straightforward issue actually because it is just very much the them running and taking on all the villains and getting to Batman. It's exactly kind of what the last issue promised without with very little twist or any kind of swerve. Uh, but that's okay because it, it plays off simple. It, it wasn't like it was trying to stretch it out to another two or three issues to be a longer arc or anything like that. So, it, no, it, you can get away with having an issue as simple as this when you have really strong dialogue between your characters. Yeah, and you've also spent two issues setting it up, and this is the payoff. It's not the the build to the next thing, right? So it's it's very much the the capper on the what this arc has been. So now yeah, it flows really well. It's fun to read. The art looks gorgeous character stuff is really strong not my favorite issue of the, of the run so far by any means if anything i think uh uh the last issue all the stuff with damien last issue probably puts the issue a little bit higher than this one but mm. i'm still quite happy to give this an 8.5 i'm uh, i'm gonna give it just a straight seven um which is interesting that even if i didn't dislike the design of the bike so much uh, we still wouldn't have lined up perfectly which uh seems to be the, the trend this week for whatever reason mm-hmm. so there you go uh, but that does wrap up the books this week which means we can pick our favourites uh, so we do best and worst and best art typically on this show uh, which I guess now going forward is going to be exclusive to the audio version uh, because that won't be on the, the video versions once they're caught up but uh, yeah so I mean, worst is obvious. It's Action Comics 770. There's, there's yeah. not even a, a doubt. Best, I would say, is also pretty obvious. Yeah, GSA takes best. Takes best. Art's a little bit trickier, because I think Batgirl has an argument for art. I would accept that argument. I think, for me personally, it's uh, Wonder Woman by a reasonable margin, personally, because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think Chang's doesn't doing some excellent work on that book. Um, but... Batgirl's pretty good, and JSA is pretty damn good too. I think I like Batgirl's raw art better, if that makes sense. Like the actual, just the the line work and like how things look. But then JSA mm. had fantastic uh, serialization in its book this this time. You know, the sequencing yeah. from panel to panel was so strong, and and that matters a lot in a comic. It's not it just it is not, you know, it, it, it's all well and good saying you can draw, you know splash after splash but if you can't do that sequential pacing then yeah but i'm not saying the batgirl didn't also have good sequential no pacing. it was it was solid but gsa's was pretty spectacular in that I... regard i think i'm gonna go with batgirl for art uh so gsa gets best book batgirl gets best art by a smidge mm, and then worst books action comics because yeah yeah it was terrible so there you go that is previously in the multiverse number 11 
Yes, Unless and you... it's it's going to be interesting next time where we, we might have an actual discussion about worst book. Oh yeah, because it won't just obviously. Well, I mean, for me, it'll probably just be Wonder Woman, but <laughs> unless Shazam Wait. ends up in disappointing. Yeah, and and depending on, I mean, it's it's year one next time, so it's not going to be that. But you know, it, this this week, you know, this issue of Detective versus Wonder Woman, I think you rate them pretty similarly. Ah, uh, true, true. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you can, of course, uh, support everything we do. Uh, but go to patreon.com slash TV and support us for as little as $1 per month, uh, which will get you some bonuses for various things. $5 tier is especially notable for, for all the comic stuff because you get the previously in the multiverse and comics from the multiverse a day early at the $5 tier. And of course, whenever we have a vote to replace a book in that sixth or seventh slot, uh, which is it's worth mentioning, it's only those six and seven slots that get replaced by votes. Uh, the other ones, when we eventually do end Flash or Birds of Prey, you know, we'll just pick what goes in there. Uh, but it's those yeah, six I'm, and seven slots that are the voted for ones. I'm assuming Wonder Woman will be the first thing to end from those slots. Oh, obviously, because we'll it's, be replacing that with what we we choose. Yeah, uh, I mean that's only 36 issues, which is definitely much smaller than everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that's on Patreon. So go and have a look uh, at that. Uh, I mean, by the time this goes up, you might just have enough time to go and vote on the the next comic vote. Uh, which is three notable classics and a Tom Taylor book. <laughs> because, uh, just because, is the reason. So, uh, go and have a look, uh, and you can maybe get involved in that. Uh, otherwise, though, uh, that's pretty much it. You can get us on Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast. Of course, Connor, you can find him on Twitter on his own, at... Connor Ryan 94 I, I had to think about that, because when was the last time you asked me that? Well, you know, the video versions have them up on the screen the whole time, but given that this ending part will typically just be in the audio version after the next couple of episodes, it probably makes sense to actually say it out loud. Uh, you can get me at Wibble89 if you want to find me. But uh, that is us, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys. And remember to never touch another woman's waffle.